I am joined today by Captain Joe O'Gwen. Uh, he runs on the Lower Miss and on the canals, uh, to my knowledge, but I'm sure there's a lot more to him here. Mr. Joe, welcome to uh, to the Between the Levees podcast. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, tell me uh, where it all started, bud. Where, where were you born? Uh, originally, Mobile, Alabama. So, a roll Did time. you move? <laughs> did you move around growing? I won't hold that against you. Did you? Uh, did you move around growing up? Uh, no, not not really. Uh, we we were in Mobile uh, till I think I was about to. I think around 13, 14, 14 maybe. And then we moved to uh, Minnesota. Uh, my dad bought a uh, dairy farm up in Minnesota. And we stayed there maybe about two years and then uh, moved back to uh, Mobile. That's where my pal, well, my, my mother still lives there now. What did your your father do for a living before the dairy farm? He owned his own uh, business, uh, building cabinets. Uh, he had a cabinet shop. And he uh, contracted with, uh, you know, worked with contractors uh, with building cabinets for new houses. And, and he did some remodeling, but it was mostly new new build. And what did your mother do growing up? Uh, she, my mother never worked. She was just a housewife. Okay. Uh, was anyone in your family uh, in the maritime industry before you? No. Uh, I never got into the maritime industry until my first marriage. Uh, well, I th I'll take that back. I, I actually started working offshore uh, after I got out of the Navy. Uh, so I started offshore and then my first wife, her family, a lot of her family worked uh, inland. So that's when I switched to inland. Uh, how was growing up in Mobile? Oh, it was good. I mean, we, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. I mean, you know, you know, my dad worked hard. I mean, you know, he, he provided, a, you know, it, it was a good living. You know I mean? Like I say, we didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't, we didn't get to do a lot of things or have a lot of things, but you know, but we weren't poor either. I mean, you know, we, you know, we always had what we needed. So it, it, it was, it was good. Were you drawing to anything in school growing up? Uh, not particular, uh, Math was always my favorite subject. I was always really good in math. I, got, I think I got that from my dad. He was always good at math. Uh, but as far as any kind of uh, career or anything like that in high school, no, it just never really, never really got into my mind, you know, as far as, you know, the future and all. Well, what's the story on the dairy farm? It lasted just two years? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been around Minnesota, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty cold up there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we try, we, he, he tried to make a go of it, but, uh, it's just so cold and snow and all. I mean, it's just, it, it, unless you're already established, it's hard to really get established and, you know, with the, uh, with the weather and the seasons and all like that, you know, it, it's hard to really get established. Was college ever in the cards for you? Not regular college. Uh, I've actually didn't even graduate high school. I quit my senior year and uh, joined the Navy. Uh, did three years in the Navy. And then, uh, like I said, I stopped. When I got out of the Navy, I, I went to work offshore, uh, working uh, supply boats on the rigs. And later in life, I did go to uh, school, uh, aviation school for uh, for two years when I was in my mid-20s. Uh, I actually got a uh, aviation mechanics license, an A&P license.
and actually worked for Lockheed uh, up in Atlanta for a couple of years. Uh, and then that didn't pan out. So I went back, went back to working on the boats again. Tell me what you can about your Navy experience from signing up boot camp on through, through your service. Uh, boot camp. I mean, was, was it too bad? Uh, you know, back in the, back in the seventies, when I was in boot camp was a lot longer and a lot tougher. Uh, I think we had like 14 weeks, I think something like that. And, uh, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, I went in uh, Great Lakes in the wintertime, and so it was cold. So going out and, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, they wake you up at 4 o'clock in the morning just to go shovel snow, you know, and you're out marching, you know, you know at 6 o'clock in the morning in, in, in snow, blowing snow. I mean, you know, so, yeah, it, it was cold, but it really wasn't that bad. Uh, and afterwards, uh, when I got uh, – moved out of after boot camp i went to san diego and uh ended up on a ship within about two months after i was on the ship we uh we left to go overseas on westpac so i spent the next year uh traveling around over in asia and then once we came back the ship i was on went into dry dock and uh so i got moved up to uh well, moved to whidbey island washington and then uh another place in seattle with uh i don't even remember the name the name of the base it's not even there anymore now so, and all in all, it wasn't too bad. What was your day job on the ship? I was a boiler technician, something that uh, I don't think even exists anymore in the Navy. <laughs> okay. The old, and what, the old what, what steam, was your job? The old steam boilers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you did that the whole time? Uh, yeah. Well, the, the whole time I was on the ship, yes. Uh, now, once I got once I got moved up to Whidbey Island, uh, I, I, I don't even remember what I was doing up there. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I was actually working uh, in a uh, couple of different things. Though. One, one was uh, worked in the uh, mechanic shop, you know, working with you know the uh, the vehicles. And uh, another job I had was the uh, movie exchange, uh, where back in those days, the seventies, the movies on the ships were actually the like sixteen millimeter reels that we had to ship out. We had to send them out to the ships, and then they would send them back in, and you know we had to you know, make sure they were rewound on the spools and, you know, any bad spots had to be cut and spliced. So, you know, we didn't have, the, we didn't have the technology back in the, back in the seventies we have nowadays. <laughs> How'd you go from boiler technician to theater? Uh, that was just a job opening they had to go because boiler technician was something that was strictly, you know, it was strictly limited to just on the ships. Uh, so once I was on the land base, I mean, you know, there's, there's no boiler tech technicians there. So they had to find something else for me there. And that was just, that was one of the job openings that came up. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take it. It was a pretty laid back job. Sure. Sure. So you get out of what, about 21, what happens next? Uh, well, like I say, I went to work offshore. Uh, I went to work with a company. I, I don't know if they even exist anymore. Johnny Graham and sons. Oh. Uh, the, uh, on the uh, supply boats offshore they were a pretty big company at the time uh of course you know the oil industry has all changed now so you know it's all but almost all just just disappeared i mean uh, there's there's very few you know rigs being dr you know, drilling going on in the gulf anymore so you know uh, nowadays you, you pass by places and you see just you know hundreds of, of offshore boats just tied up and mothballed
So tell me about that. Tell me about that job. What were you doing out there? Oh, I was a deck can uh, out there. You know, that was, that was the first job I had out of the Navy. And, uh, you know, and we were mostly standby uh, on the rigs. They, you know, you have to keep a boat standby at the rig all at all times. And we would go out and I think, I think I was working 14 and seven at the time. And they would actually fly us out most of the time on a chopper. And uh, we'd get on the boat and I mean, if we worked on a, sometimes we'd work in a big field, a platform field that may have, you know, seven or eight production platforms around one big rig where, you know, had all the living quarters. And so in the mornings, we would gather up the guys off the rigs and we would take them around to the uh, different uh, production rigs where they could, you know, do their maintenance, you know, their inspections, whatever they had to do. And then in the evenings, bring them back to the, uh, the, the housing rig. And then we would just sit. You know, we would just tie up on the side of the rig unless the weather was bad. If the weather got too bad, you know, we weren't allowed to sit on the rig, so we'd have to go get catch an anchor buoy and just bounce around. You know, so that, that was pretty much it. We did a lot of fishing. <laughs> you know, back in those yeah. days, back in those days, you, we could bring as much fish as we wanted to back. So I mean, sure. we were catching, we were catching just tons of red snapper and bringing them back and selling them. You know, now they the the, the government doesn't let you do that anymore. You know, everything's right. restricted now. <laughs> Oh, and then what brought you uh what brought you inland? Uh my first wife. Uh, a lot of her family worked with uh ACBL and so that you know at the time and I think it still does pays more money on inland than offshore. So that's why I went I went I switched to inland and started uh started decking, you know, for uh I actually started with a company out of Tennessee, uh Nashville. It's called H and S Transportation. And I don't think they're in business anymore. I think they've been gone for a long time. But uh, started out working up on the uh, up on the upper, uh, running from St. Louis all the way up to Minneapolis. So uh, I got my I, I got my feet wet running making making locks <laughs> up on the upper. And I know you know there's a lot of them up there. Roger. Um, well, how was that experience from uh, from deckhand all the way up to the wheelhouse? And how many companies, um, I guess? I, I actually decked for a while. I, I stayed on the deck for about 14 years. Uh, well, I say 14. It was probably probably about 12 because I, I did take, well, it was probably about 11 maybe because I, I took about three years off, you know, going to college and all. Uh, but I still ended up a total of about 11 years decking, I guess. I pretty much, you know, <laughs> pretty much learned everything I could out there on the deck. How was the deckhand onboarding and training back in the day? Probably, I, 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 with most companies nowadays, I would I would say it's still basically the same. I mean, you know, you put a green deckhand on the boat, and you know your your experienced guys, you know, are training them on the boats. I mean, all the years I've been out, uh, just they've never really had any kind of actual deckhand schools, you know. I mean, different companies have had their own training places and stuff like that, but there's never been any real deckhand schools for any, for deckhands to go to. So it, it's basically the same as they do it now. You know, throw them out there and say, here's the job. You know, these guys will show you what to do. And what was your journey to the wheelhouse? Well, when I moved up in the wheelhouse, of course, they didn't have 
you know, all the steersman programs and all this and that. Uh, you know, I, in fact, when I got my license, the business was, you know, they didn't really need a lot of women. I mean, everything was full. And so I got my, I went, got my license on my own because the companies didn't even, they didn't even want to take the time to even bother to send anybody to school. So I did it all on my own, got my license and I went back to work decking still. And, and the, uh, the company I worked for, they said, well, we're not even going to worry about training you because you know, we don't need anybody. And I just happened to luck out, uh, making the locks one day a boat from another company, a little small mom and pop company, uh, said they needed a wheelman. And uh, so I told them, I said, you know, well, I got a license. And I hired in with them, jumped on the boat on bike watch and just started running the boat with no real formal training. Uh, you know, and in those days, you know, 80s and 90s, th there was no formal training programs for wheelmen. I mean, you know, if you could run a boat down, down a canal for 30 minutes, I mean, you know, you had a job. You know, I mean, I did when I was decking, I did have a couple of captains that, you know, would let me steer for them some and stuff like that, but it was nothing formal training. So I learned a lot just on the fly as I, as I did it. Sure. Uh, any interesting stories uh, running way up river you said in that, uh, I think you said to St. Paul, where were you running with H&S? Uh, yes, I, but now that was all decking. Uh, I never, I've never ran up there as far as, you know, since I've been in the wheelhouse, not that far up. Right, but any interesting stories from uh, uh, from your life on deck up there? Yeah, the only thing I can comes to mind, I guess, is uh, we had to run a light boat up the uh, Illinois River, and I think it was in like the, around the end of January, first of February, to go take over a tow for another boat that had broke down, and uh, I remember it was it was just super cold, and you know the river had like a thin layer of ice on it, and the boat I was on, we had the, uh, all, our, all our rigging was stacked on the front deck. And going up, you know, the water and the ice was just kind of like sliding over the top of the bull rail. And so the next, the next morning when we get to where we're going, our stack of ratchets was just like, you know, it, it, was, it was encased in a solid block of ice. <laughs> and so we're out there all day with the fire axes, chopping the ice out of the way to get, the, to, get to the ratchets. You know, and I guess the only other thing I can remember from up there is, is in the wintertime, it, and they, of course, they wouldn't let you do this nowadays, but we used to take our lock lines and coil them, coil them on the barges, you know, in a, in a stack and take kerosene lanterns and sit down in the middle of them and cover them up with a tarp to keep the lines from, uh, from freezing, to keep them thawed out. You know, of course... I can only imagine if somebody's running a kerosene lantern on a barge nowadays. <laughs> I imagine the Coast Guard would have a fit. <laughs> I would imagine so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you get in the wheelhouse, where were you working? I started working in the wheelhouse on the uh, on the uh, Western Isle. Uh, running, uh, we ran, you know, I mean, I guess we ran all the way. I think the furthest I went was Corpus Christi on the, with that company. We ran from Corpus Christi into Houston, uh, into the river, up and down the river. Even made one trip up to uh, up to the Yazoo River. Uh, you know, never, never been, ran a boat up the uh, up there before. You know, and I went up to the Yazoo and brought five. I think we brought five loads of uh, wood chips back down and took them. Went to Lake Charles with them. So, it, 
it was a little small company. I worked there for about a year, uh, you know, before I went to, you know, I got a job with uh, Deloach. Anything interesting on the transition over to Deloach? No, I mean, other than, you know, bigger boats, you know, better equipment, uh, you know, just everything running more smoothly. The company I started with was just a little boat, little company. I only had like maybe, I think four or five boats and they were small. So, you know, I jumped on the boat, you know, started out, you know, running a 600 horsepower boat, pushing five loads strung out, you know. And then, of course, I mean, I had no, I had no idea that the that the boat was way overloaded. <laughs> you know, I just jumped on it and started doing it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, going to a Deloach, yeah, that that's probably the biggest thing. You know, having a lot bigger boat to handle the uh, you know the barges we were pushing. What um, anything uh, interesting or any good memories come up of your your first time at the sticks? Or your first hitch? Well, probably, <clears throat> I would say the second night on the boat, uh, coming out of Port Island Locks with five loads and turning, going down river. And this is this is in high water, and in those days you weren't required to have radars. Also, this boat had no radars. Uh, uh, you know, in those days we had no computers. They hadn't. Computers hadn't even been thought of for boats yet. So we didn't have, you know, we had no AIS, no charts, no nothing. Uh, you know, I'm going down the river basically in the blind. We had no charts on the boat. Uh, no Xeon light. We had the old style bulb light that, you know, when you shine it out on the toe, it, it wouldn't even reach the head of the toe. <laughs> so uh, I'm going down the river, you know, just trying to guess at where I'm at, where the buoys are supposed to be. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, I made it. Which I just didn't know any better at the time. <laughs> Where were you running to with those? We uh, actually uh, left out of, uh, came out of Port Island Locks. I actually went all the way to New Orleans. So went all the way down the river like that. On no charts, huh? <laughs> no no charts, no radar, nothing. <laughs> yeah. just, just guessing at it. So you started at Deloach as uh, in the wheelhouse? Yes, I, was, I, had, I already had my license when I got to do a Deloach. And uh, on what boat? Oh, first trip I made with Deloach uh, was the old Donald Clark. I made okay. one, one trip on there. Uh, Where'd you run? Uh, first, uh, first time on that boat, I actually ran to uh, Point Comfort. Okay. Took uh, six empties to uh, Alcoa Aluminum in Point Comfort. It was just and, stand by to load them and come back? or what, uh, what was No, the they, already, trip? They, have a fl they have a fleet there that, uh, you know, you just drop and pick up. So, so we were light, basically light. we're basically running between between uh Baton Rouge and uh and and Point Comfort or either Houston, you know one of the one of the two. And how did your career progress there at Deloach? Okay, I, well I ran I did one one hitch on that boat and then I got on uh, uh the old uh D O'Donnell. I don't know if you ever heard of that boat. Uh, and I don't even I don't even know what what happened to the boat, but uh. I rode that boat for about two and a half years, uh, running basically from Baton Rouge to Houston. Uh, you know, that was a, that was our regular run. Uh, and then after that, I got on the Alyssa, you know, which Alyssa still, still running, you know, they're, they're working the river now, but this was when the Alyssa was fairly new. It, it had only been out for about a year and, uh, 
I went over there as a relief captain. And we spent a lot of time running to uh, down here to Harlingen, uh, running the uh, sugar run. You know, and that's how I ended up down here where I'm at now. <laughs> we were all, uh, we were, you know, they load sugar barges here at the Port of Harlingen. So that's what we were doing then. Bring six empties down and we'd stand by while they load and then take them back to New Orleans. Either that or most of the time they would send a turn boat. And uh, so they kept us down here on this end for, I'd say six or seven months. I don't think we ever, I don't think we ever made it back to Houston. So it, it, that was a, that was actually a pretty good run. And after that, I got on the uh, Gene Hufty, on uh, Jake Hufty, the Jake Hufty, and uh, running the salt mines. I did that for about two and a half years. Do you have any interesting sea stories from any storms or anything like that that come to mind? Uh, not really that big a deal or anything. Uh, you know, uh, after the uh, Jake Hufty, uh, you know, that's when Deloach started working with Ingram and all. Uh, that's when I got on the, uh, the Harry Brendel. And of course, at that time, all we did was run across the sounds. We were strictly, you know, New Orleans to Mobile. I mean, that was all we did. And, uh, and you know, we we did go through some pretty pretty rough weather every once in a while going running across the sounds. Uh, the only one I can really think of that comes to mind is we got hit with a storm, one of those afternoon storms going across uh, Petty Boy. And, it, I mean, it went from calm to really, really bad. I mean, just a matter of minutes. So we were lucky that, uh, you know, we had enough safety lines on our toe. We were lucky everything, we kept everything together because it broke every wire out there. So uh, the the safety lines, I mean, it was even starting to break safety lines, but, you know, we it managed to calm down before it, got, before it broke everything apart. That was the only, that, that was probably the worst one, you know, that, been out there and it, and it only lasted a few minutes but when those afternoon thunderstorms roll through it does that's all it takes is a few minutes you said the, the whole toe was was breaking loose oh yeah well, that was many times we we broke every wire on the toe going across petty boy how that's much time did it how much time uh, did it take to, to recapture everything and, and get secure uh, well, we, we, I, that was one of the things i mean even after breaking all the wires on the toe i never had a barge come out of my toe I always put enough safety lines out to where, you know, I was lucky I never had a barge get away from me. I mean, yeah, we'd have to get across to the other side of the pass and start laying, relaying wires, you know, put, you know, rebuild the tow. But I always had enough safety lines to keep everything together. Is there anything on that east side run that you liked especially? Oh, I love the east side run. <laughs> I'd much rather be over there now. But uh, uh, it's just – you know, a lot of people don't like it because of the weather, because, you know, you know, some, you know, some people just don't like that bouncing around in the sounds. You know, it doesn't bother me. Uh, but I like it because, you know, running over there, there's less traffic. I mean, you know, you can, you can run for hours, and never hear, never hear anything on the radio. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot more relaxed, you know, way less stressful. Uh, so, you know, I, I like running over there. You know, so you just have to deal with the weather. What about in uh, in Mobile or Theodore? Have you ever been up uh, up the Black Warrior? Uh, I've never been up the Black Warrior after the wheelhouse. I did deck on the Black Warrior. Uh, now I've I've ran up on the Ten Tom uh, up to uh, we used to run barges up to Columbus up on the Ten Tom, and uh, we you know we we ran quite a bit up there. 
And so, you know, that, that was, that was pretty good run. Well, aside from the East Canal, is there another favorite run you've been on, whether it was on deck or all the way up to now? Well, I mean, back when I first got my license, uh, I was on a boat that uh, we were running over into Florida. Uh, we would run over to Apalachicola, uh, uh, over in that area. And uh, even went up the Apalachicola River uh, a couple of times. You know, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty narrow, tight turning river. So, but, uh, you know, well, it, when we would go up there, up there, we would only take maybe one or two barges. It wasn't, you know, we weren't pushing big toes over there. Are you married? Not yet. <laughs> Actually engaged, but we, we don't have a, we don't have a, we haven't set a date yet. So, I mean, you know, we, we're no, we're in no rush. Have you been married over the years? Any children? Yeah, I've been married a couple of times, but uh, never any kids. Never had any. How many years were you with the Loach? Uh, I hit 28 uh, last year. So I'm I'm working on 29 now. And have you been on the canals that whole time? Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. I know relatively recently in the last year, uh, Intratug came and uh, scooped up the Loach there. How's that all, all been going? Uh, things are still kind of like, I don't know how you say it, open for debate, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, there, it takes time, you know, so I think, I think Intratug is still going through that transition of getting everything set up the way they want it and all this and that. So there's still things, there's still little things changing here and there, but I mean, so far, I mean, I haven't really had any real complaints. I mean, you know, I mean, there's things, a lot of things are different uh, from what it was at Deloach. I think Deloach was more family oriented, uh, you know, and I have all the praise in the world for Z-Dave. You know, Z-Dave was the type of person, he took care of his employees. I mean, he knew the names of everybody on every boat, deckhands included. I mean, if you worked for the company, Z-Dave knew who you were. And if you had a problem, any any kind of a problem, you Z-Day was the type of person you could call him in the middle of the night, and he would you know he would help you out the best he could, you know however he could help you. He was not the type of person that say you know look you know don't call me at night I don't care what the problem is I mean no he you could call him any time of the night if you had, if it was something urgent. Now don't go calling him just to chit chat, but you know <laughs> if it was something if it was an emergency or something that was very urgent you know he he had no problem. So he was very good at taking care of the people that work for him. And that's why I stayed there. You know, it was a family oriented business. Now with Intertug, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's still yet to be seen. I mean, so far, I mean, a lot of the guys working for Intertug, yeah, they've, they call, they introduce herself, they come out. So I, you know, and, and the owner, he's, he's called a couple of times. So, you know, so everything so far is good. I mean, I, I don't have any complaints. Uh, you were with the Loach when you went from backwash to frontwash, correct? Oh uh, yes. How was that transition? Anything interesting there? I guess you know the biggest part is the the extra responsibility. You know, keeping up with more paperwork. Uh, which at the time when I moved up on the frontwash, there wasn't as much paperwork as there is now. Uh, so it wasn't as big a deal then. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think. I don't. 
think I think when I moved up in the in uh, front watch, I think that was about the time computers were just starting to come on the boats. You know, we were just starting to see all this stuff, and uh, so it really wasn't that big a deal then. You know, it's it's a lot bigger deal now than it was back in those days. Now, have you been pretty steady on cruise over the years? Uh, at, at times, yes, and at other times, no. You know, it, it that's something, you know, because, I mean, you know, you know yourself, there's a big turnover with deckhands, always. And so I might get a crew that may, may be good and last for a year, you know. And then, you know, they start moving on, and then, then it, it may take another year to, to get another crew that settles in. You know, it, it may take another year of just constantly rotating people because, I mean, you get some deckhands that, it's, I'm not going to sit there and say they're bad deck cans or they're, you know, they ain't worth the crap or something like that. But, you know, some of them are, yes. But you get other deck cans that they personality clashes with, so with, with certain wheelmen. And sometimes you have to move them around and find the right fit. And, uh, you know, a deck can that may not fit working with me may go to another boat and fit in good with another wheel. Or vice versa, you know, somebody might not fit in with somebody else, come over and work good with me. I mean, you know, so it's kind of like a, a deal where, you know, you have to, you have to kind of move these guys around sometimes to see you know, where they fit in the best. And then other times you get two deckhands that don't work good together. And so you can't keep them together. You got to split them up. So it, it, but right now, I mean, I've, I've actually got a pretty decent crew on my boat right now. Tell me what you can about a day in the life when you're working, uh, of a captain on the, on that canal back there. Well, speaking for me, uh, you know, we work six hour shifts, you know, two, six hours, which most boats work that schedule. There's a few boats that work different, but most, most, for most part, we all work six, six on and six off. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'm up at five 30 and I get dressed. I straight to the wheelhouse. I don't go to, I don't, I don't eat breakfast and all. I just go straight to the wheelhouse, you know, Pull my watch, you know, of course, you know, first thing in the morning, you got all your traffic and everything's got to be caught up on and all this and that. And, you know, then, you know, like I say, six hour shift. So off at noon and uh, for me, I, I don't sleep a lot. Never have. I still don't. Uh, so when I get off a of watch at noon, I may watch TV till 1.30, 2, 2.30 or whatever, you know, then get about three hours of sleep. I'm back up at it again, you know. Same thing, uh, most times, same thing in the afternoons. Uh, I'm up. Uh, my routine usually has me, I usually get up a little after five, go down, eat eat my dinner, and then up in the wheelhouse. You know, so then do my six hours. And same thing at night, you know, watch TV for a couple hours. <laughs> I've just never been one. I, I, I guess over all the years of doing that, my body has just become, it's become accustomed to it. You know, just not getting a lot of sleep. Because even when I come home, you know, I go to bed at midnight and I'm up at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, I just, I just don't sleep a lot. Well, tell me what you can about the job, uh, you know, not necessarily steering, but anything else, anything not steering the boat, HR stuff, deckhand training, yeah. uh, anything. Well, what's, uh, what do you have to do with all that? Uh, that probably... I would say is 
I don't know the word for it, individualized. I mean, you know, when it comes to, you know, like the HR part, uh, that is something that, you know, you've got to adapt for each individual person. I mean, you can't just, you can't go in and set a set a certain standard, you know, that works with one person because then, you know, they may not work with a different person. So you have to treat each person with their own, how their personality is, you know, some people, I mean, you know, I can, I can get on to them, you know, and get more out of them. Other people, it may be more of sitting down and talking to them man to man to get more out of them. You know, so it's kind of one of those things you have to, you have to learn how that person reacts as to how you treat that person. And one thing I've always told everybody on the boats, you know, and, and it's, I still believe in this is you cannot hold a grudge on these boats. I mean, if you get mad at somebody, if a deckhand gets mad at me because I'm, you know, I get onto them for something, you, you have to be able to let that go. You know, you, you can't stay on a boat living that close to other people and, and stay mad. It does, it does not work. And, you know, that's the same with me. If I get upset with a deckhand, I mean, I've got to, I'm the same way. I've got to let it go. I mean, you know, it's once it's done and we've talked about it, it's over with. I mean, it's done, you know, move on. What are the best and worst parts of, uh, of being in that wheelhouse and living on a boat for, you know, big portions of your life? Uh, probably the, the being away from home, the family part, you know, because boat life, you know, there's no way to candy coat it. it. It's a tough life. You know, it's tough being away from home and being away from your family. You know, you miss birthdays, holidays, you know, uh, it's something that, you know, if, if you want to make decent money working on the boats, you have to accept that fact, you know, that, you know, a lot of, t- uh, most of the years, you're not going to be home for all this stuff. You know, you're going to be, you're going to miss it. You know, and sometimes I see these guys out there every year. They're like, well, I want to, I want to be off for this. I want to be off for that. Well, you know, you can't be off every year you know you got to rotate it so that's probably the toughest part is just missing a lot of the family stuff what about the best parts uh the best parts i mean well i'm not gonna lie i mean it's it's good money <laughs> you know i mean you know there's no way i could make this kind of living working you know a job a land job at home you know going home every day there's just not without having an ed you know college education and all that i mean you know i could not make this kind of money you know being at home like I said, you have to sacrifice being on those boats. You got to sacrifice in order to make that good living. And that's something that, you know, if you're like, if you're married, you know, it takes a, uh, it takes a special woman to be able to live that type of life. You know, a lot of women will say, you know, well, you know, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. But when it comes right down to it, when they start doing it, they're like, Oh, I don't know about this. So so yeah, that part's tough. Uh, what do you like to do in your time off? I do a lot of woodworking. I've got a shop I built in my backyard, pretty good size. I mean, it's twenty four by twenty, and uh, I do a lot of woodworking. I, and that comes from my, you know, my dad's cabinet shop. Uh, I, I do a lot of building furniture, you know, stuff like that. Uh, that's kind of my hobby. Is stuff for stuff for you at the house, or do you sell it? No, it's mostly for me. I mean, it's, I just do it as a hobby. I don't do it as a business. Now, I've had people ask me to, to to make stuff for them here and there. You know, and I'll do it. But 
I mean, I, I really don't make any money off of it. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, if they want me to build something, I'll, you know, tell me, you, know, well, you pay for the pay for the material stuff. But uh, my uh, my bedroom set, I've got in my master bedroom. I built it all. Uh, the headboard, nightstands, armoire, chest drawers, that's all built from solid cherry. Uh, I, at one time, I had an entertainment center in here I built. I, I took it out. So eh, that's kind of my hobby. And, I'm, and I do ink pens, too. I, I turn ink, ink pens on the lathe. That's that's kind of that's kind of my relaxation to go out there and work on stuff. I think you said you're going to get married one of these days. Where'd you meet your uh, your lady friend? Ah, uh, she's down here. Uh, she actually works cutting hair, <laughs> so <laughs> got to have a haircut every now and then. Sure, sure. Yeah. Gavin, Joe, I think that just about does it for me. That's all my questions. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? No, nothing I could think of. You know, just. Keep working, and I'm getting close to retirement. I got about uh, getting close to about two and a half years to go now. Yeah. So, you plan it? You're gonna, I'm, probably you're gonna... Gonna, I'm probably going to keep. I'll probably trip a little bit there here and there. You know, after I retire, just give it up full time. Sure. You're going. You plan to stay down there in Harlingen? Oh, uh, what now? You plan to stay down there in Harlingen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, we're uh, we're actually fixing to start building a brand new house. Okay. Yeah, we're we're in the process of getting that started. Well, Captain Joe, I think that just about does it, man. Thank you for your time this morning. All right, man. It was good good uh, talking with you. You too. Good good to finally meet you face to face, kinda. Oh yeah, yeah, you too. Yeah, all these years of talking on the phone. First time I've ever seen you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, Thanks sir. a lot for your time, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right, bye. Appreciate it. All right.